This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Hi everybody, this is Markus of Nine Guardian speaking and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Sin. Stay tuned. Marcus is a guitarist from German power metal band Blind Guardian who are releasing a live album, Live Beyond the Spheres, on July 7th. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you for your time. How are you doing? Really good, uh, and you're very welcome. Now, with titling a live album, I think it's really difficult at this stage because a lot of the great titles, I think, have already been come up with, like Iron Maiden and a bunch of other ones. How do you decide on the title for this album? Uh, it's always a nightmare, you know. Every, I, I perfectly remember when we did, uh, when we looked for the title for the previous live album, and we had, you know, like lists of of name suggestions that were endless, and we didn't like anything. And in the end, you know, it was Andre Hansi and me who came up all at the same time with like, let's just call it life, you know, <laughs> and be done with it. And uh, this time, you know, life beyond the spheres. You know, I've been asked about. Um, what are the spheres? What's the deeper meaning behind it? You know, to me, the spheres are all the cities that we played at. And, you know, now that we're beyond all that and you can listen back to it. And, you know, it represents what we've been doing for the last 21 months. So that's kind of how we, we, we came up with, with that title. But I agree, you know, especially with, with live albums, it gets more and more tricky because, I mean, there are quite some out there. And, you know, lots of names are taken already. But I think Life Beyond the Spheres, to me, it sounds very nice. It, it fits to the Blind Guardian kind of names, you know. It made sense for me. Definitely. You've released two live albums in the past, one you mentioned before. When do you decide to record a new live album? Uh, for us, we felt that the time was right now because the previous one was like 14 years ago. And... Uh, since since that previous live album, we put out three new studio albums. Plus, we had a new drummer in the band. Frederick joined us in 2004, so pretty much immediately after we put out that previous live album. So we felt the time was right to 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 do something again. You know, uh, there should be a couple of new studio albums at least between live albums because I don't think it makes sense to put out a live album you know every year you know once you tour you release a live album I don't really like that there should be new content that you can put on that that album to 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 add something different compared to to whatever you might have done in live albums before and you know uh, with this one as I said, we, we, we had three studio albums in between and, you know, we, we also tried to dig out some, some um, old classics, some rare songs that we, we never played or only rarely played and played in a while. And we tried to put a, together a, a very interesting package that kind of reflects what we've been doing on that last tour. And as I said, the, the, the time just felt right, you know, when we... When we finished the, the previous studio album, Beyond the Red Mirror, we just sat down and thought, you know, it's, we think it's, it's the right time to do something. And, well, we went for it and, and did it. And here we are talking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the 
albums you uh, sorry the songs you play rarely uh, sorry this is kind of a stupid question it's kind of obviously you can't play all the tracks all the time but why are there some tracks that kind of don't get played often and can sort of come to be called rarely played um first of all obviously as you said yourself you know we can't play them all because otherwise we would be playing like 10 hour long shows and uh, that would be pretty exhausting and <laughs> It's it's just you know it it it's more with each new studio album that we put out it it gets more and more difficult to find the right set list because obviously when you when you put out a new album you want to play new songs because after all that's where you go on tour you want to you know show the people hey this is the new album check it out so on this tour I think we played five songs altogether from the new album then there are those whatever you want to call them, all-time classics that you just have to play because otherwise people will crucify you. You know, talking about songs like Nightfall or Mirror Mirror or, you know, Bart songs, stuff like that. But then there's, you know, a part that you can just fill up with songs that you just like, you you feel like playing them or you didn't play them in a while. But, you know, it's it's it, it's getting more and more difficult each time. And by now we, we already started... Um, from time to time kicking out some of those classics, you know, because we, we just don't want to be do, too predictable. So there were quite some shows where we did not play Valhalla. There even was a show where we didn't play the Bart song. And, you know, um, obviously we love playing those songs and we know what they mean to people. But um, if, if, if we always play those classics, at some point the, the setters will be very, very static and it will be the same thing every single night because people just take for granted that we'll play those songs and that's why we like messing around with it a bit. And people should not take any song for granted. You know, you might change everything at some point. But those those rarely played songs, it's just, you know, uh, a song like Banished from Sanctuary, for example, we did play in quite some time. And, uh, you know, it's it's just fun bringing them back at some point. You know, we've been playing Banish a lot in the early days. I mean, it has been from uh, taken from our second album, so it's a quite old song for us. And at some point, you like giving songs a break. You know, if you play them for a couple of tours, then you reach a point where you say, ah, you know, we will skip it on this tour. And uh, when then at some point you you kind of rediscover those songs and you feel like, hey, you know, let let's play that one again or. Maybe let's play for the first time with with different songs. It's a good thing, hmm. and uh, but, but that is just one example. For example, on this tour, we brought back um, the script for my Requiem, which we didn't play in quite some years. And you know, um, at some point after we put out Imaginations, that was one of the main songs that we played live, and I really enjoyed it. But at some point, I, I got tired of playing it live because we just played it too much, I think. And then we gave it a rest, and when we put it back in the set now for this tour it was amazing you know it, it just felt right so sometimes you just have to give songs a break and you know then a couple of years later you can dig them out again and you will be enjoying them a lot more than compared to if you would be playing them all the time in terms of preparing for the uh recording a live album you you obviously you playing live shows but apart from just the very playing the show, what goes into making that happen? What needs to be done to get the recording all working? 
Uh, well, obviously, um, you have to take a recording system with you or rent it or whatever. And uh, we recorded pretty much every single show on that tour. And uh, in the end, for the album, we focused on, on the first European block that we played because there we had the same recording setup with us every single night. It was the full production. It was the same PA every night. So the recordings themselves had a certain consistency that worked very well for putting together that album. But, um, you know, as I said, obviously you have, you have to take the recording equipment with you, which is not that difficult today because, you know, you can record a whole show with a laptop, basically, you know, the, all the doors, you know, whether it's Pro Tools or Logic or, or Cubase or whatever you want to use for recording, you know, you can run it on a laptop and, you know, uh, the signals, uh, they all go to the front of house desk anyway, because after all, you're playing a gig. So everything is there and just has to be traced to the laptop, to the recording setup. And most of the recordings have been done by our front of house guy. And, you know, on, on some days, our producer, Charlie, was there as well, took care of the recordings himself. But, you know, it, it was fairly easy to do it. And the good thing is um, our live setup changed in a way that we started using um, digital amps a couple of years ago. So I'm using Fractal Audio's XFX and Andre is using the Kemper. And also our bass player, Barrett, is using some digital stuff, which has the advantage, you know, um, if, if you're using tube amps, they sound different every single day, you know, depending on the temperature of the tubes, depending of... On, on, on the room's acoustics, depending on is the, micros the microphone placed perfectly at the same spot in front of the, the cabinet every night. And with an XFX or a camper, you plug in the cable and you sound exactly 100% the same every single night. So you do a couple of sound checks at the beginning of the tour, then you're good to go. You don't even need to do sound checks anymore because the sound is going straight to the to the mixing console from there it's going straight back to our in-ear or to the pa and you sound exactly the same you sound exactly the way you want to sound and that makes life on the road much easier and also you know recordings obviously benefit from this because you know you're completely independent of room acoustics or anything and you know what the guitars or the bass in that point as well will sound like you get a real consistent sound every single night and that makes it much easier to to put together a live album that that uses tracks that were recorded at different shows. Because obviously, uh, you know, a venue in whatever Germany might sound completely different compared to the next day where you played in wherever on that planet. Doesn't matter. You know, venues tend to sound different, but like this, you know, you eliminate a part of those differences, and you get a way more consistent sound. So that that helped a lot. In terms of actually playing the, the sort of other side of the equation, is a live a good live performance for the audience the same as what you are looking for in a good live performance for the audio recording? Uh, not necessarily. Let's put it like this. You know, I think the audience can also really enjoy a show where you're you're giving every ounce of energy into the set, but you you might play more sloppy. And obviously, the more you jump around on stage, um, the more sloppy your playing might get, because, you know, if I stand still, I can play every night perfectly fine, and if I constantly run around, I might f*** up from time to time. And I think the audience doesn't really care if you, if you 
up in the song, you know, if you play a wrong note for a second, you know, nobody in the audience will really care if the energy is right and everybody will just have a good time and nobody gives a f But obviously, uh, you don't want to have wrong notes on, on a live recording that you put out on CD and, you know, if you listen to that CD, you don't want to listen to that up day in, day out. So, um, if you're focusing on choosing the right performance for a live album, you're obviously also focusing on your performance itself and not just on, on, on the energy of the gig or the energy of your playing. That plays a part as well, of course, a very important part, but you try to pick the ones where you, where you didn't make any mistakes. So I think that's, that's a difference for the audience. You know, if, if I'm, you know, I, I've just been at a festival, a three day festival over the last weekend myself. And, you know, if some of the bands, might made some mistakes. Most likely, I didn't even realize it because I just went for the moment and enjoyed the gig. But if you listen to to mistakes on a live album, that's that's not so enjoyable. So that, that definitely makes a difference for if you're in a band or if you're in the audience. In terms of uh, sort of another aspect of the recording, what I find is you know, obviously with power metal really important aspect of it is the audience participation i mean them singing along particularly in songs like a nightfall and the last candle is is it any sort of effort to make sure that comes through in the recording or does that come through sort of over the mics that you're already using no no you have to put up special mics if you if you're not miking the audience you won't hear it and then you'll get a a, a very static live recording because the audience part is just not there you know the the microphones, if, if, we're, if we would only use, for example, our vocal microphones on stage, you wouldn't hear much of the audience. So we, you, we, we really put up microphones that are only there to record the audience participation and their singing. So we have that on tape or on hard disk as well. And as you, as you mentioned, it's, it's a vital part of any show, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how good we are on stage, the audience has to be there as well. The audience has to do their part, you know, they have to do their singings and the choirs and everything. And only like this, a show becomes special. You know, if, if only the band is playing well, that's one, one point, but the audience is the other half of what makes a magic show. And obviously, we try to cover that and capture that for, for the live recording. So we, we really take care of it. There were lots of microphones in the audience to, to record their singing as well, because otherwise the live album would not sound like the actual geek sound. Because obviously, uh, in the geek, you hear all the audience, and it has to be there for the album as well. When you've got the stuff recorded and you, you off the tour or even on the tour, however you did it, you've got, you've got the stuff, you've got the 10 shows, you listen to them. Who's going through and picking the songs, and how do you kind of differentiate between the two songs? You've got at least 10 versions of the same song. How do you pick between one or another? You, you just have to make notes. Uh, as I said, we, we recorded pretty much every single show, so we're talking about... I don't know, 150 shows or something like that, but we focused only on the first European block, which are still like 40 shows, 35, 40 shows, I don't know. And you just have to really listen to the stuff and make notes. And uh, the problem is that I think any musician will pay attention to his own performance first. I think it's a natural thing, but obviously you have to overcome this and pay attention to the whole band performance because, you know, 
nobody cares if you played well. If if the rest of the performance is not what it is supposed to be, then nobody gives a f if you played the show of your life. <laughs> and so uh, you know, uh, it's 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 really going through the sets, making notes, and it, it's a quite long process. I mean, the good thing is. Um, that actually, while we have been on the road, our producer Charlie already started this, and he went through shows and made mixes for us that we could listen to later. And he already made notes and said, you know, don't bother listening to that show because or to that song, whatever, because you up there or there was something that went wrong, whatever. So it made it a bit easier. But in the end, you have to listen to everything. You have to make notes, and in the end, you have to compare your notes and hopefully find takes that everybody agrees on and then you can go for that take and you know most of the time obviously there are more than just one song that everybody likes you know more than one recording of a song but if you can narrow it to whatever three versions of nightfall that helps to then you focus on those three suggestions again and try to to pick the best one it's it's just a process of narrowing it down step by step and until the end, come up with with whatever ended on the album. Let's change the pace a bit. I've read a little bit about that you're preparing a new album or orchestra album. Where's that at? What can you tell us about that? Well, that's the kind of never-ending story for Blind Guardian because actually we started with that one like 20 years ago, something like that. At least that's when the idea was born and we started on writing and, and, and planning everything. Um, the music is pretty much recorded already since since some time. Uh, what was missing is Hansi's vocals, and the original idea was for him to go back into the studio in breaks that we had in between touring blocks and finishes his vocal recordings then. But uh, we had to forget about that because uh, touring is way too demanding for his voice. So uh, he needed those breaks to rest and get his voice back in shape for the next tour block. And it, it was not in a, in a proper shape for, for album recordings. So we had to abandon that, that plan. And he will finish his vocal recordings this year because we'll only play a handful of shows, so there's all the time in the world to, to properly finish those recordings. Then there's just mixing and mastering, and we can finally put out that album next year after talking about it forever, or what feels like forever. Um, it's it's typical Blind Guardian music. It's all original music, so it's not that we took some, some of our old songs and had them played by an orchestra. It's all original music. Uh, it's Hansi singing. It's all the typical Blind Guardian, you know, melody lines and, and build-ups. But it's not a metal band playing. It's an orchestra playing. So um, it's 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 kind of hard to describe it if you don't if you haven't heard it. So um, people have to hear it for themselves. And it, it's I, well, obviously I say so. It sounds amazing. But, you know, if, I th I'm, I'm pretty sure that once people will be able to listen to it, they will agree. So it's, it's something very, very special. And finally, it will come out next year. Now, I've read that you sort of describe yourself as a rhythm guitar player, which sort of isn't surprising because you play rhythm guitar. But, yeah. <laughs> like, descri describing yourself as that, what kind of do you think distinguishes a rhythm and lead guitar person? Is there something in inherent in people which means they're one or the other? Um, not necessarily. 
because after all, it's not that I only play rhythm. I play solos in a couple of songs. I play tons of harmony leads, so it's not that I'm only playing rhythm guitar. Uh, as well as Andre is obviously also playing rhythm guitar. He's not playing lead guitar 100% of every song. You know? But um, the thing for me is my main influence. You know, when, when I started to, to be into music and into metal and I was playing, learning to play guitar at that time, I think my main influences came from, from Black Sabbath and from Tony Iommi. You know, I, I remember clearly sitting in my room back then, putting on, you know, a Black Sabbath album and trying to figure out how to play all those riffs, starting with Iron Man and NIB and you name it, you know, whatever. I, I learned all those songs. I don't know if this is the reason for me preferring to play rhythm guitar, but the, the, the reason I consider myself to be a rhythm guitar player foremost is if you ask me, you want to play the solo in that song or you want to play rhythm, I will pick rhythm guitar because I just enjoy it. You know, I don't mind playing solos. I do it from time to time. There are a couple of my Guardian songs where I play the solo. And as I said, I, I also enjoy playing all the harmony lead guitar stuff because obviously in my Guardian, there's tons of built up guitar layers. And, you know, whenever we feel that more than just one of those voices is needed live, then I switch to lead guitar at that moment. So I enjoy that as well. But I think, you know, deep inside of me, I, I just prefer rhythm guitar for whatever reason. And uh, the funny thing is, um, a lot of people seem to think of, of lead guitar, of being better or more important or worthy or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's because, you know, um, both are parts of the song. You know, lead guitars belong to Blind Guardian just as rhythm guitars belong to Blind Guardian. And whether you mute one or the other in a recording, you know, uh, the version without one of those two aspects will suck. You know, both have to be there to, to make the songs sound like they do. So, you know, I don't see, and that's not related only to Blind Guardian, I see it like that in general. I don't see rhythm guitar playing as inferior to, to to lead guitar playing. I mean, take take a band like, like Metallica. Can you imagine Metallica without James Hetfield? I can't. And, you know, it's, it's like uh, both is fine for me. I just prefer rhythm guitar for whatever reason. I just enjoy playing heavy riffs. And I think that's my Tony Iommi influence. But, yeah, that's, that's the reason why I consider myself to be a, a rhythm guitar player first and only then second place a lead guitar player, which I do as well. You've been with Blind Guardian, I think, for 30 years now. Um, yeah. How have you... That's a long time for anyone to do anything. Um, how, how have you stayed doing that for so long? And, and what sort of keeps you sort of passionate about Blind Guardian? Uh, there's one simple answer. I love what I'm doing. You know, I, I mean, this when, when we started back then, when we formed the band, we had this dream about, you know, being or becoming a professional band, about recording albums and being able to tour and all that. And that has always been our goal, our vision. And we put a lot of hard work in this. You know, we, we were very focused and we never had a plan B. You know, we were so convinced that this would work for us. 
we never doubted it. Obviously, there was never a guarantee that it would work, but you know, we made it work. And we still enjoy what we're doing. You know, I don't want to do anything else. You know, I want to play in this band. I want to play this kind of music. I, I want to record stuff. I want to be able to go on tour. I enjoy every single second of, of my life as a musician. And, you know, that's the other day somebody asked me, how do you motivate yourself? I don't have to. You know, I just get up and you know, I'm sitting in my studio right now and I can't enter this room. You know, I have several guitars hanging here behind me on the wall. I can't enter this room without picking up one of the guitars and fiddle around with it, even if it's just for a minute. If I want to enter that room just to to to, to grab a pen because I want to make some notes on anything, as soon as I enter this room, I pick up a guitar and I play a couple of chords or whatever, you know, I I just love this. And so that's what keeps me going. And I know it's the same for the other guys. You know, we just enjoy our life. We enjoy what we are doing. We enjoy the music that we are playing. So, you know, there's no extra motivation needed. Just we, we love exactly the way our life goes. It's just what, what we wanted to do. That's really awesome. Uh, Blind Guardian will be releasing their uh, live album, Live Beyond the Spheres, on July 7th. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you for your time and hope to see you on the road whenever we come back to you. Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flashgun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moss Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Ron from 1449. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.